Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Thanks for downloading, streaming, listening to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. This could be your first time. Maybe it'll be your last time. I don't know. But either way, please help me help you. Support this podcast and let it continue to be free, to keep the archives free, to keep the awesome guests coming in, to keep the quality up. Everything that you like about this, that's free. Keep it that way by supporting the podcast. Two very easy ways to do that. First, go to iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast. Rate the podcast kindly. Give a nice review. All that stuff helps us so much, and it helps us spread awareness of the show which helps us get our numbers up, which helps us attract everything that we need to attract. The second way to do it, if you're shopping on Amazon, do me the biggest favor in the world. Instead of going to Amazon.com, go to NotSam.com slash Amazon. What it does is it kicks back a little bit of your purchase towards this podcast. Everything costs the same. It's the same website. It's a simple redirect. Nothing. You're not doing anything you weren't normally going to do except your regular activities can help fund one of your funnest hobbies that you do, which is listening to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Matter of fact, if you like listening to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, you're going to love this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh boy, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, big, big show, big, big podcast for you this week, uh, good fun stuff to talk about, new Ring of Honor champion, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the, the ball, LeVar Ball segment from Monday Night Raw, we'll talk about that in, 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 the, in the bridge, in the segment between the interview and State of Wrestling, so no skipping around, huh? No skipping around. We'll also talk about the Money in the Bank ladder match. We'll talk about uh, the women's gauntlet match on Raw. We got Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar. We got uh, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, it's a very, very exciting time to be a pro wrestling fan. Uh, and this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, we have somebody who is almost as big a pro wrestling fan as yours truly. I mean, you know, that's the whole point of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's a wrestling podcast done by a wrestling fan for wrestling fans. Believe it or not, the reason why I watch this stuff is because I still like it. You may think I'm a shill, but it's the way I was born. Maybe I was born a shill. I don't know. But I'm just a fan of this stuff. And uh, we celebrate the world here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And somebody else, and I, and I, love, I love having uh, uh, wrestling fans on the show that have been watching for a long time, that are smart, educated. I love talking to Wade Keller about this stuff. I loved uh, Skylar Aston. When we did the show with him, uh, we did a show with Billy Corgan before he owned TNA. You know, I, I like I like talking to people, especially uh, in the entertainment business, who are just massive wrestling fans because I think that they end up being really fascinating interviews. I mean, Dan Soder is one of my favorite wrestling fans to talk to about wrestling. It's just 
It's a fun thing to do. And somebody that I've wanted to talk to about wrestling for a long, long time is Ron Funches. Ron Funches, you know him from uh, uh, NBC. You, you know him from At Midnight. You know him from all over the place. Look him up. Uh, uh, he is great, and he's a huge, huge wrestling fan. You see him at PWG all the time out there in Los Angeles. Um, and he's been a wrestling fan for a long, long time. And he represents properly. You know, he doesn't hide it. He really brings it into the mainstream, which is something that I love. I love seeing guys that have legitimate... I mean, Ron Funches is on an NBC show. And he still is fully open, mainstream, uh, uh, and displays his wrestling fandom as much as anybody else I've ever known, which is a lot. You know, a lot, a lot of times these stars, they hide their love of wrestling. And you can't do it. And Ron Funches uh, doesn't do it. Um, I got the chance to talk to him. He's Right now he's on tour. It's called Funchamania. That's what a big fan he is. His tour is called Funchamania. And he made a poster for it, like a wrestling poster. It's just, it's so much fun. Because you find that, like, wrestling fans, especially in entertainment, who grew up to become, they, they, they have a dream job. But it's outside of wrestling. And so what do they do? They try to bring wrestling into their job. That's what I did. When I started working in radio, it's like, this is a dream job. I've always wanted to work in radio. Now let me see how I can incorporate wrestling into it. And by God, I ended up working for WWE. So it's a pretty pretty amazing thing that happens. But Ron Funch is uh, he's a super, super successful stand-up comic. And he's brought wrestling into it so much. Uh, you know, it's tough to maintain a mainstream audience and a wrestling audience. And Ron Funches does that very, very well. Um, and I got to talk to him about his love of wrestling uh, and and everything in between. So, ladies and gentlemen, my guest on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast this week is the fabulous Ronald Funches. Enjoy. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. I feel like this is a long time coming. <laughs> For the first time on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, Ron Funches. What's going on, man? What's going on, Sam? I feel like uh, 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 you're one of the more – your profile's only gotten higher, but you're one of the more high-profile, very out-of-the-closet uh, show business comedian wrestling fans on the scene right now. Yeah, there is no closet. I'm out and proud, <laughs> and I'm leading the parade. Have you gotten that? Like when you go – because it's gone beyond just being a stand-up because there are other stand-ups that like wrestling. Mm -hmm. First of all, let me ask you about stand-up because – I was talking to MVP recently mm -hmm. who said it struck him because he's a super stand-up fan. And it struck him how similar the worlds were in terms of the way people come up. Yeah. That the come up in stand-up is way more similar to independent wrestling than non-wrestling fan comedians have any idea. And oh, like as yeah. a fan of both industries, to me it seems almost identical. I think they're extremely similar except for, I've always put it like uh, – they're the very same when you start off in wrestling and you start off in comedy. I, I know exactly what it feels like to put myself through a table for $50 in front of <laughs> 10 people, except for I just did it emotionally. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't know, it's probably more painful. And it, more, it definitely more, more scarring. scarring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead, of, instead of limping like Mick Foley, you just have permanent low self-esteem. Yeah, and... <laughs> yeah. There's just times where I was like, should I just go work at Walmart? <laughs> I'm sure it happens to both of us. <laughs> but, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but then, I mean, you go beyond comedy and into show business and stuff. Like you're, you're doing the NBC show. You've got all kinds of things going on. 
How does that sort of more mainstream show business world react when they find out? Like, how does a Vanessa Hudgens mm-hmm. world of show business <laughs> react when when they find out what a not wrestling fan you are, gigantic wrestling fan? I mean, they always think it's cute, you know. They think, yeah. You know, they use it to kind of dismiss you and make you like you're a child, you know. Right. But, which is my general demeanor anyway, because it's like, oh, I, my, I just. I found a way to be a dude who's, you know, 34 years old who just smokes a lot of pot, plays a lot of video games, mm-hmm. reads a lot of comic books, watches a lot of wrestling, and makes a lot of money. So do you, like, do, the, do, you do that to, like, uh, take people's guards down? Do you do that just so you can get away with things that normally would be classified as irresponsible for adults to do? I think it's, I mean, as a com- comedian, yeah, yeah, there is a certain thing to be in the, the gesture. You know, someone, it's easier for me to attack um, people on a higher ground if they don't take me seriously. So right. there's a little bit of art of war, a little subterfuge going on. Uh, <laughs> but for the most part, it's just me being me as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's you being you just not, except then there's that, uh, uh, a uh, rapier sharp wit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's still a good that nobody sense. sees coming. Yeah, exactly. There's not. I mean, otherwise I wouldn't be successful. I mean, I'm a single dad who raises a kid by himself, and I had my son when I was 20. There's yeah. no reason for me to be successful. How did you end up raising the kid by yourself? Uh, I mean, it's just normally it ends up. You know, I mean, I hate to hit stereotypes, but mm-hmm. normally it ends up mothers end up raising kids, especially, you know, at that young. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just we, uh, you know, we were parenting him together for a while, and we got divorced, and you know, it just, I was just, it's just was a better fit for me. Like I, I'm just was better at it, I think, and I, and I think it suited me better and helped me more when I don't have him around. I'm a little bit more adrift, and I'm like off chasing girls, and I'm off, don't really have a focus when I, and I don't, and I'm easier to be swayed. Like if you were like, you want to go to a bar and then go dancing that night, I don't even want to do. Like I like dancing, but I don't drink, <laughs> and so like. I, but I still find myself going doing it because I don't have like a reason not to. Right. With my son, my time is so limited, like because either I'm working or I'm spending time with him, and so it's like, oh, if it's not productive and it's not something I want to do, then it's very easy for me to say no yeah. because of him. And I'm assuming too, at that point, it gets to be if you're not making money doing it because it takes a lot of money to raise a. Yeah, yeah, you definitely. Know, to be a single dad, especially in 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 your industry, that's the type of thing where. You want to make as much money wherever you can because you have to tuck it away because you don't know when it's going to exactly. dry up. It's not really under your control. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> is, he a res- I, is he a wrestling fan? Uh, he is on the basic of levels. He, um, I'm, I don't know if you're aware, my son has autism, and so he kind of uh, – and that only really has anything to do with the fact that he calls wrestling John Cena. Like he, just, <laughs> he doesn't call it anything else but John Cena. Uh-huh. He likes John Cena. He likes uh, going to Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, but like I took him to one PWG, and he hated it. He hated it. So really? Much. Yeah, it's too loud. Too, PWG is too loud. Too loud, too much waiting. I mean, and I guess it's probably because I, I always take his uh, earplugs when we go to Raw because he knows about the fireworks and stuff. Uh, but I didn't take him. And he just hates waiting. He's a very pampered kid. <laughs> and so he's just like, I got to stand outside in this line for an hour and then just sit in these chairs and then maybe I'll get candy if you, in that long line. Like, right. You know, so he hated it. He he's hated dead. every part of it. He's a mainstream wrestling guy. Yeah, he's a filthy casual. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> I have a three month old now. He's my son. And oh, congratulations. Like, thanks. All I all I want to do is try to figure out how to through osmosis just get him conditioned mm-hmm. to love 
wrestling. It's always in the background. I feel like that's going to be helpful for you. If right. Those action figures are around. That'll be helpful for oh, you. Oh, they are. So that, like, I think that that really helped me with my son's work. Like, he loves video games, but I couldn't control the type that he loved. Like, he loves racing games, and I don't like racing games. What so kind of games like, do you like? I like adventure games. I like action games. I like, you know, Mario. I like Zelda. Like, the new Zelda is, like, my favorite thing. Uh-huh. Uh, but he's all about, like, Need for Speeds and Gran Turismo. And so it's like, man. So you got him halfway there, mm-hmm. but then he, t- he took you can the left lead turn. a horse to water. <laughs> <laughs> when did you start? Uh, when did your wrestling fandom begin? Um, it started about, um, if I'm correct, and give or take a year or so. It was probably when I was like five. Um, I was raised in Chicago, which mm-hmm. is a big wrestling city. Yeah, and um, I was raised by my mom and my aunt. And my sister was there, so it was like just a house of ladies and me. And so it was very everything was very much like Oprah, Ricky Lake, a lot of pretty, pretty, pretty princess. It was just a lot of femininity. Sure. Golden girls. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah definitely. And uh, so uh, my only kind of escape from that, which which I didn't hate, I love it. I I still definitely enjoy that side of myself i get massages mani patties i love it uh but <laughs> you, know, you so so you, you 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 grew an acute awareness of how to treat yourself oh absolutely okay good for you <laughs> <laughs> and then uh but my uncle would take me to the rosemont horizon and we would go see uh, hulk hogan and earthquake and their stretcher match battles and i'd see the legion of doom and just see uh, like all these the Nasty Boys, I think, was was a big influence on me at the time, and the Ultimate Warrior. Before I found out that he wouldn't enjoy me as a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. That's a. Uh, I guess you didn't have to meet your heroes on that one. No. Now that you wouldn't, uh, <laughs> you wouldn't get along on all levels. <laughs> Did you go to WrestleMania 13? Yeah. Uh, no. 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 You did Went to WrestleMania. That was in Chicago, though, right? I think so. Yeah. I went to WrestleMania. The only WrestleManias I've been to was I. I believe 19 in Seattle. Okay. And then I went to the this last one where I saw you in uh, Florida. Yes, yes, yeah. I was just at because WrestleMania 13 was uh, uh, Brett versus Austin. Mm-hmm. In the oh, I watched match, it. And that was at the... I watched it. I used to go to my friend Ian's house. He was the richest kid in our school of friends, of uh, in our school group, and uh, our peer group. That's the word I was looking peer for. Peer group. And... Um, he had. We would go into his father's office, where he had the little mini fridge, and it was like the best thing in the world. It's like you have a fridge outside of the kitchen. What? <laughs> and then and there'd be little snacks and candies, and then we would just watch wrestling pay per views. And one time, a pornography. We got caught. <laughs> <laughs> you did get caught. Mm-hmm. That's not that cool. No. But yeah, mini. You don't get caught watching pornography with a group of your male friends. No, because then it's like I don't even know as a parent how to tackle this. Like, I don't know. I don't know what we were doing here. I don't know which which direction to go into. Yeah, where are you guys? Where was the end game? <laughs> yeah, that's what you have to do. You have to start start by explaining to me how is this gonna go, <laughs> and then we can have a conversation about it. Plus, the thing about mini fridges is. Uh, you don't put regular boring food in a mini fridge. Mm-mm. Fun snacks treats, only. Treats, yeah. yeah. Treats. The things that you don't want your significant other to know you have. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So uh, 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 did you like wrestling throughout or did you go through any down times? Cause... Of course, of course. I think there's always that time in a young man's life or a young lady's life when they want to fit in and – and they, everyone, someone goes wrestling stupid. And, you know, maybe you were attracted to a girl, and you're, and she's like, "Oh, wrestling's dumb." And then you're like, "Oh yeah, you're right. It is dumb. <laughs> yeah, I hated it the whole time." And so that was a couple years of my life. And then when it was, was also- it? Because the thing about because we're this, about the same age. Mm-hmm. 
And we're lucky because when we were in high school, wrestling was kind of cool. Yeah. Because it was the Attitude that. Era. It yeah. Was Monday Night Wars. Six, yeah, that's when I Wolf came Pack back was in. Cool. That's when I came back in. Gotcha. So it was like 13, 14, 15 where I was out. And then like 16, 17, 18, also same around time when I started smoking pot. Uh, <laughs> so it was like ECW. Yeah. Basically, I got out of it for sex, and then I got back into it because of sex. Because I was like, I'm not having sex. Right. I might as well watch ECW where there's boobs and <laughs> just handle my own business. Right. <laughs> so you were like, I'm going to try to have some sex. And I can't pull that off if I'm watching Doink the Clown. Yeah. And then you're like, I'm not having any sex. And wait a minute. Yeah. They replaced Doink the Clown with sex. Yeah. I'm going to go back to wrestling. Exactly. And also I was 14, so it probably wasn't going to happen either. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, those are lofty goals. At that real age. lofty goals. <laughs> uh, and then I got back into it at 16 in high school. All my friends would come over to my one friend's house who had a bad mom. And she wouldn't. She somehow wouldn't notice that 12 kids were smoking <laughs> pot in the, in the room. And we just watched Monday Night Raw and Nitro and switch back and forth. It was great. Yeah, what a great. And then the Nitro replay would come on right after Nitro. So I'd be like, I mean, my parents were not bad parents. They were good parents, so they made me go to bed. Mm-hmm. But I'd always be jealous of the kids that were like, had bad parents. And they would go to school because I had to go to bed at like, you know, 11 or 1030, whatever mm-hmm. it was. But the bad kids would be able to come to school and say, no. Like, I watch all of Raw, and then I watch Nitro. Like, they stay up till like, mm-hmm. 1 o'clock in the morning or something, Those which was not rare. an option for me. That was me. rare. That was a rare treat. But it was like they were the cool kids because <laughs> they got to see it all. <laughs> but now they work at the gas station. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. That's actually a good point. That's a, <laughs> that's a healthy way to look at it, right? Um so who are who are the guys like? Uh, no disrespect to you working at the gas station. I know you just trying to get through, get your money right, get straight, and get out of there. I believe in you. Yeah. I ain't gonna work here forever though, Ron. You not? I know you not. <laughs> I believe in you. Get out of there and steal some treats. <laughs> so, uh, uh, who were your first like uh, favorites? Not like uh, when you're a little kid and, and you just kind of react to the bright colors of the Nasty Boys or whatever. But when you start relating mm-hmm. to wrestling like Mm -hmm. like you know you're a little older and you're the way we the way other people will sort of be like oh yeah when you start hearing like words like work rate and things like that yeah when you start uh, smart marking in high school yeah yeah then for me it was like i mean it started happening a little bit earlier in high school it's actually like you know you know my my friend my Call him my friend, and I love that I can. Sean Waltman, X-Pac. Isn't he the best dude? He's the best. He's the best dude in the world. He's so great. He's so great and so beloved. And it was so cool that he went to WrestleMania. And, then like, it was cool that he, like, first that he took me out there and took care of me. But then, like, just seeing how much everyone there loved him. Well, yeah. You know? Well, you know what the thing, and, and, and I had X-Pac on when he went through, when he got arrested in the airport mm-hmm. so he could tell... Mm-hmm. His story, and you know, there were still some people that were like, "Sam, you know, he's lying." And then it turns out he's definitely not lying. Yeah. But uh, the thing about, and I, I think the reason why X Pac is so beloved is because he does stuff like that. Like he took me out, you know, a couple years ago, just like that, and like he does nice things that he just doesn't have to do. Yeah. Like there's no sort of benefit other than just being a good guy. Like, yeah. Th- there's no, there's no end game for him of like, oh yeah, and then I'm gonna get Ronda to do that or do this or he's just like no you're a cool guy I want you to come yeah absolutely check this out and he's just there's not that many guys like that yeah but he was one of the first people when he was like the lightning kid in the uh, GWF I believe it was yeah and um, I liked him and I loved hot stuff Eddie Gilbert yeah so you were like the realest of the real yeah 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 I mean because that's like that's that's when 
you had to get like Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Well, I mean, I think it was one of the things that uh, that was great about living in Chicago mm-hmm. is that we had like I could, I could watch DWF and I could watch um, ECW live, like on I could watch their hardcore TV. Yeah, and like and and that was like insane at the time because it was like. Straight up boobs, like it really was. <laughs> the night Kimono Wanalea danced atop the ECW arena. Yeah, you're just like, what? This is on. Do they not know this is on TV? <laughs> yeah, and so it was so. Especially when you're 13, 14, you're like, this is insane. I'm loving it. That's what I try to show my wife. Like I show her old ECW, or yeah, I show her hold up, show her old Raws or whatever. And I'm like, no, no, no. Put this in the context of you're like a 14 year old boy, yeah. and this is just on your TV. Yeah, it's the the very rare ECW. Match holds up, you know your RVD, Jerry Lenz, and, yeah. and stuff like that, and your uh, to Jerry, Mikey Whipwreck. Oh. Those I could watch anytime, but most of the stuff doesn't hold up. Uh, but like, I just fell in love with that type of stuff, and and um, Eddie Guerrero and and Chris Jericho, especially a lot of his so did, young work. Did you fall off the WWF bandwagon at kind of a, a young age? Because it sounds like you were more into the global and the the. the the wrestling, wrestling, not so much the sports entertainment. It always ebbs and flows, you know, and mm-hmm. and, and it's. Especially, there's a lot of things, you know, as, as a guy who just loves wrestling, and then you get all smart marky, and you're like, oh, why won't they push the people I love, and why are they so mean to Daniel Bryan, and like, <laughs> and then you get in the thing, and then you're like, it's not that seriously, and then you learn a little more, and you're like, oh, they were mean to Daniel Bryan, it's not a fake thing. And so, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you're like, oh, I'm getting sucked into the storyline. Oh, I wasn't getting sucked into it's the storyline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just for real. And it's, so, it's like a lot of things where you like, end in a lot of times when it's so racist or sexist, you gotta like you back out a little bit, and then eventually I'm like, well, I just, I love it. Like every every now and then, I still I'm like, do I even need to have the network? I watch so much New Japan. I watch so much Ring of Honor and stuff. I mean, not much Ring of Honor. That's a lie. <laughs> I watch a lot of New Japan, and uh, so, but I just love it. You know, it's like a part of my childhood. It's part of just being a tentpole in my life. It's like it's what I have on in the background most of the time. You know, it's just what's in my life. So, like in your house, yeah, you have New Japan on in the background. No, a lot not of the as time. much because I have most because my friends are. You know, they get a little bit like, you know, you're like, it's something that's a little bit different about hearing a bunch of Japanese uh, yeah. language coming out of your house. <laughs> and when, when he, your girlfriend comes in and she's not into wrestling, and she's like, okay. That's a, yeah, that's a real tough place to start her. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. So you got to kind of ease back. And I show her, um, for her especially, I just try to show her a lot of uh, women's wrestling because she's really into, like, um, women's UFC in particular. Right. Joanna Gio Yeah. And, uh... So I try to show her anything where it's like just badass women just fighting, especially like now women's wrestling, yeah, where it's like legitimately athletic and yeah. like pretty amazing. Um, but that's that's more like what what gets you fired up is is Wrestle Kingdom and stuff like that. I mean, I love. I mean, I love a good. Or you just love everything. I love a just a good match anywhere it's at. I'm never a guy who's gonna be like, oh no, I don't watch the WWE. I, I watch it. I watch it every week. You know, I do. So when they started go when when they have in the past gone racial with storylines mm-hmm. and bringing out black characters like even before nation of domination i mean like kamala i mean like you know slick yeah. you know yeah. eating fried chicken when and I was stuff. young though that i mean the slick that's just yeah, gonna ask you it, but kamala i love when you're young does it occur to you that like no not at that that's point. something that could bother you later it did and then like there's ones that are specifically i mean we, we know you have Vince McMahon just saying the n-word and then you have right uh like crime time like like crime time i like 
it's one of the things I, I mean, they might be great guys. JTG seems like a wonderful gentleman from what I've seen on Twitter. Right. My least favorite gimmick of all time. And it was so late in the game, right? To yeah. still be doing that? Yeah, like, exactly. Are we still... Yeah. We're still there. Oh, they're two black dudes, so they're they just they just steal your shit. Money, money, yeah, what? yeah. Like that's that's where we're that's where we're at. Oh, crazy. Huh. And it shows to me still this day. And I know no, not many people bring it up, but I don't work there. You do. I don't. <laughs> so yeah. it's just like things where it's like, why doesn't Biggie have any type of singles title like? Push? Well, he had the NXT Championship when yeah. he was in NXT. Yeah. So that to me means that. that and what had... happened to? Let's talk about what all the other NXT champions. What have they done? Ah, Seth Rollins. Who ever heard of Seth Rollins? Yeah. So, so, I get you. Well, I'm, look, you're right about Biggie's single run, but New Day is one of the biggest acts in oh, the company, and they did oh, put absolutely. them on a massive stage for but WrestleMania. As the New Day thing worked, in spite of the the man, management's best efforts, it worked because of New Day's best efforts. Gotcha. I mean, if we all remember the beginning of the new day, not great, not great, not, not great. great, and it wasn't great because they didn't want them to do what they wanted them wanted to do. Right? They had them in mind of what do they need, which is what you see a lot of times is, oh, if you're you can either be this menacing evil black heel, or you can come out and you can sing and dance and smile. And it's like, what is it? The same thing like Rich Swan. What is, what do we know about Rich Swan? He likes to have fun. He likes to have fun. <laughs> He likes to have fun. He does fun. like to have a good time. Oh, my God. You know this guy? He d- he hates not having fun. <laughs> Look at him. He would never hurt you. You know? It's just those type of things where you're like, mm, why can't they, why can't, and why Schwan- when it comes to, like, black characters, they can't be fully developed characters. Right, there's no depth to it. Because even 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 the even the fragments, I'll say, that we've gotten from Rich Swan, and this is also, I mean, I, 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 I might be biased because I knew Rich Swan before, but, like, he's my favorite guy on 205 Live. Mm-hmm. You know, but you're, but there isn't that like you. Who is this person? Who is that? Who is Rich Swan? Like having a good time, mm-hmm. and that's that. Yeah, that's something you say about something someone you know nothing about. Right, right. <laughs> you know nothing about that one. <laughs> Are you saying they have a drinking problem? Right. He he likes to have a good time, but we don't talk about that. Yeah, we don't talk he about likes that. Having a good time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and to me, it's just like Big E is like he has he has everything. He has the size, he has the charisma, he has everything that you think Vince McMahon likes in a wrestler. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he doesn't get a bigger push to me only points to one thing, and I won't say it out. Well, loud. do you do you think though that the fact that New Day is working so well mm-hmm. stops any of those three guys from getting a singles push? Meaning, mm-hmm. well. We don't want to break this. Okay, up. I could say that, Sam. You could say that, but I'm just playing devil's advocate. I hear you, yeah. and then I will come at you with straight facts, and then say two words to you. Tell me the shield. You going right, and that's right back to the Seth Rollins thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were working really well, weren't they? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a a great counterpoint. So that's what. Uh, uh, but I here's what I think. I think that uh, uh, wrestling is a reflection of society. And whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, it is. And as a society, we've come a long way and have a long way to go. I feel like wrestling is in a better oh, yeah. place. Oh, most definitely. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to come across like a person who is hateful of what's happening in wrestling. You look at wrestling right now. The majority of the champions are people of color. 
Right. It's amazing. It's an amazing time to be right. a wrestling fan in general. We have Samoa Joe going against Brock Lesnar. That's a dream match. It is a dream match. It's amazing. Right. It's a great time to be a wrestling fan. I'm just looking at these things and I notice them. Right. I'm just saying. Like, just pointing them out because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't. Exactly. And how great, by the way, was that picture? I couldn't believe the amount of flag he got for it, but the... Uh, uh, the what do you the black greatness tweet? black excellence black yeah. excellence tweet yeah. that Big E put out like yeah. when I saw that I was like God damn this is great for wrestling yeah like to yeah. look at that and to me it, 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 yeah especially as a I mean as a black kid who loved wrestling as as a young young child um you know especially when you watch it as a kid you take these things a lot more serious like Ron Simmons meant a lot to me you know right because here was a guy who wasn't dancing who wasn't smiling and wasn't saying like and we're talking about wcw runs yes absolutely yes and who was just kicking ass and taking names and taking just as serious as any of these other wrestlers Mm -hmm. and that's why to me his world title run is not just like wrestling history is to me it's black history i look at it and it's very important to me because it's like up there like just like with james brown saying i'm black and i'm proud it's like it's just this thing that says oh i can do anything Right. Because before, it looked like I couldn't, especially in the Southern WCW. Yes, absolutely. You know, when they had, you know, I remember it's the first time I saw Harlem Heat being let out in chains and stuff (laughs) with Colonel Parker. Well, you don't even realize how crazy this stuff was. I mean, I don't think it's on the network. I think I was either watching it on YouTube. This was years ago when when things weren't so monitored. But, like, I remember watching a, a thing from, like, a Saturday night's main event. Mm-hmm. And it was from like uh, it must have been the build up to either WrestleMania one or WrestleMania two because Mr. T was there, and Jesse Ventura is doing commentary, and uh, uh, Bob Orton starts or it's Bob Orton and Piper are together. They start uh, whipping Mr. T with a belt, and Jesse Ventura is on commentary like it's nothing, and he goes, "Look at this gorilla! It's like a scene from Roots 2. <laughs> I was like, "That's a pretty funny line." <laughs> it's a good angle. <laughs> I go, what? Like, I had to rewind it. I go, no way! Oh, that's a pretty funny line. And yeah, I mean, I, 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 I completely fell out of my chair laughing, but it was <laughs> laughing at the line and laughing at the fact that this was just television. Ah, oh, that's great. You know what I mean? Um, so who, so, so, uh, so it was the Lightning Kid and, and Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, and then, uh, who who brought you into ECW besides Rob Van Dam? Yeah, you know, just big, big pothead who, who loved wrestling and being cool. See, it's uh, it's yeah. so funny because I wasn't smoking pot as a kid, mm-hmm. so like all I, the references were lost on me. Because at that age, if you're not smoking pot, you're not yeah. smart into pot culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah to lingo. And so I'm like. RVD four twenty. It's three sixteen. What's this guy's problem? Like, <laughs> like, oh, he thinks he's better than Steve Austin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then it all started. And I was like, and then the franchise came out with the Francine four sixty nine t shirt. And I was like, what does that mean? It's three sixteen. What's ECW is crazy. <laughs> they just they just throw numbers on there. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, I loved Rob Van Dam. I loved. I mean, I just loved ECW in general. I loved the whole violence. I loved Rhino. I loved. Um, did you go to any live shows? No, it's one of my greatest ah. uh, sellings as a wrestling fan. I had a chance to go to one ECW live show as a kid, and it was like two days after I was like moving from Chicago. So I was like, man. Oh, and you me. just missed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they were running the Hammerstein Ballroom here in New York at the end. Mm-hmm. And like I was one of those guys, started regularly going to the Hammerstein shows. Like half the pay-per-views, they would just run out of the Hammerstein. And... It really was around here. I don't know if it was like this for you watching on TV, but for us, like, 
we were sitting there waiting for the next show because there was never the last show. There was never this we're going out of business announcement. There was another pay-per-view after they were after they were you know bankrupt or whatever. There was still another pay-per-view on the calendar. And we were all just sitting there like, no, no, no. I, I think the, I think it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. It's not. It's not over. It's definitely not over. It's not. They didn't delete it. It's still there. Yeah, it's still there. I think. No, they're just getting stuff together and stuff. Like, did you? Uh, did you have trouble accepting that ECW was gone? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like a lo- any type of loss. You're just hoping that like this is going to be some last second miracle that comes in and saves it, which would have been great for anything for ECW or WCW. I think it sucks that there isn't another. Uh, viable company that's that i think that's part of the issues is like we're in such a golden age of wrestling where the most talented roster i've ever seen and it seems like they didn't kind of like are like eh, we got it yeah <laughs> yeah like we got all the names we're good we got it let's just you know put uh, randy orton and uh, them out there and who cares if it makes sense <laughs> yeah or yeah this we're going to have Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor beat each other up. Ah, next week. Uh, no, we're not going to. I don't want to do that anymore. We can yeah. do something else now. Yeah. Um, who, who do you uh, uh, Who do you like now? Um, let's see. Who Other than Biggie Langston. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a cool dude. Have I you like met him? him? You know him? Yeah, yeah. He's a great great dude. Great dude. Um, my favorites right now. Wait, how about what, this? What do you want, WWE or you want independent? Before we get into that, actually, yeah, yeah, I have yeah. a question for you because I don't know if you were even watching at this point, but... Do you remember the uh, speaking of New Day, Randy Orton, Kofi Kingston, one month main event feud? Mm-hmm. I do. Were you excited by it? Yeah. So was I. Yes. I. I mean, I remember that. Like, I would love it if Kofi was champion. And and for and for in that moment, it actually made sense. Yeah. Like and and I I remember because the reason I always bring this up is because there was a raw at Madison Square Garden, and I think it might have been the raw where he painted his car. Um, Judah Freelander did something on the raw. But it was, uh, it was, uh, it was during that whole. Few- no, no, no. Here's what happened. That was the show where Kofi Kingston ended up. I think he put Randy Orton through a table in the middle of the crowd or something like mm-hmm. that. But like Madison Square Garden was totally behind Kofi as a challenger for the WWE Championship. And like, I, it's like you look around the building and you're like, something new is happening. Mm-hmm. This is wild. Like this is, and I guess stuff like that just happens. And then it's like, okay, that's. It didn't. It just kind of back down. Yeah, it goes by the wayside. So yeah. So tell me, uh, tell me first, uh, your independence. What do, what do you like on the independence? Because you're a big PWG guy. Big you're a West PWG. Coast guy. Yeah, that's where I live. So that's where I go. Um, my <laughs> do you favorites. have to? You still have to uh, buy tickets like oh, yeah. the like the plebs. Mm-hmm. Wow, absolutely. Yeah, because I've always heard. It's I mean, very I've, difficult. When I've I've gone to one show, mm-hmm. and there was no hookup. It was like, no, Sam, you're. Like my, uh, uh, you know Kathy Kelly. Mm-hmm. So it was before Kathy was working for WWE, and she was like, "No, we're going to the PWG show." I, I was able to get tickets and blah blah blah, and so, uh, but like you know, I was talking to everybody there, and they were like, "No, no, no, no. there's no special anything for anyone." No, you get on the computer when it goes on sale, you buy tickets if you can get them, and then it sells out, and they just run this building. So. Yeah. It seats, you know, two fifty or whatever it is, yeah. and that's that. Beautiful, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's it really frustrating, is. but it's very beautiful when yeah. it works out. Yeah, I love it. So yeah. you go, you go to try to go to every show. I try to go to whatever shows I can go to, as long as they don't interfere with my comedy tour schedule. Right. So um, I'm gonna try to be a bola, but I might have to miss a couple days of it. We'll see. Um, but let's see, who do I love? I love Kathy Kelly, who you brought up. So just, <laughs> just say she's amazing. She is amazing. She's so great. I'm so happy and proud of her, even though I 
didn't do anything, so I should not be proud. It's on her. <laughs> That's on her. But she's just the sweetest and nicest always, especially when I was, like, very, very new at doing interviews for, like, red carpet stuff. And it was so nice to talk to someone and then have her be like, let's talk about Undertaker. <laughs> let's talk about oh, so Undertaker's she, streak. And so da, you, da, da, da. You're, new, you're new to red carpet scene. That's what Kathy was doing before she was in WWE. She's been on the podcast, so go back a couple episodes and you can hear her story. But... So she's on the red carpet and she knows – because she would always do a ton of research, mm-hmm. which is tough to do for those red carpet mm-hmm. things because there's 100 people. You don't know who you're going to talk to. Yeah. But so she knew who you were and she knew you were a wrestling fan. Yes. And so we just headed off. We talked – I think we did first one interview and we talked about two minutes about the TV show and then 10 minutes about <laughs> the Undertaker streak being over. Yeah. And then I was just like, she's amazing. She's great. And just with, <laughs> I see her at PWG or I see her things. And, sure. And then next thing I knew, she was working in WWE. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So besides Kathy Kelly, let's uh, let's go with the your independence. Okay. Trevor Lee. First of oh, all, yes. Trevor Lee is amazing. His mm-hmm. heel work has improved greatly. Mm-hmm. You can see he had been under the learning tree of one Kevin Steen. Uh, so it's like he's just looks like a caveman. He is just talks all the time. His moveset is wonderful. He's got a good size for all the athleticism that he has. I think Trevor Lee is amazing. Um, and then, of course, I mean, I started with Trevor Lee. And then I'm gonna go let someone I like just as much, if not more, Matt Riddle, who is like, if I was starting a company, mm-hmm. I would be like, Matt Riddle, here's all my money. Really? Please. You have that much us. faith in him? Yeah. That's great. Because, and I will tell you why. Yeah. Because when I see just about every other wrestler, with, except for Finn Balor, I think he's the only other one. Um, uh, every other wrestler comes out. I see, hear the guys cheer. I hear guys boo. I hear girls cheer. I hear guys boo. Girls boo. Um, when Matt Riddle comes out, uh, guys cheer. Guys boo. Girls scream. Like he is a movie star. Right. They when he gets hurt, they scream. By the they way, yell at his opponent. Isn't that amazing about Finn Balor? He does that entrance that like drives women crazy, and the dudes are still like, "Yeah!" yeah. Like I've never he comes seen out it like a Chip and Dale's dancer. Yeah, and yeah. Everyone's still. All the guys are like, "Okay." I, like I, 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 I was going to I go to a show with my wife, and my wife like she texts me because she'll be in the crowd or whatever, and she'll be like, "Like Finn Balor came out SummerSlam last year. She was in the we were sitting apart, but she was in the crowd. Finn Balor does his entrance." And she just texts me and she goes, I think Finn Balor just had sex with me. <laughs> and then I go, I go, do you think all us dudes in here cheering for him know how sexual the, the entrance is? And she goes, not a clue. <laughs> <laughs> just crawling on in. Uh, and so like, but yeah, so Matt, Riddle. Matt Riddle is amazing. He's just like, and he's just himself, which is, um, I think, amazing. He's just like, I'm just this bro who just smokes a bunch of pot and like, I'm cool. And so that's what think, makes him work for both guys and girls because he's just, he looks like he could sleep with your girlfriend, which is the same issue with Roman Reigns, which I feel, think is like, a natural reason why people hate him when they see him on sure. site because he just looks like he would just push you in the sand and sleep with your girlfriend. Right. And uh, and Matt Riddle looks like that, but he looked like he would at least apologize. You right. know, it looks like he would like he, she didn't tell me, bro. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. You're cool. Yeah. If I had, had known, I wouldn't have done it, bro. I promise you. Because there's something about him that you kind of still want to hang with him. Yeah. So you're like, I still want him to think I'm cool. So yeah. That's fine. Yeah. yeah you yeah, didn't yeah. know. You didn't know Matt. Yeah. You didn't. He you has, had no idea. He has. 
uh, he has it and and I was like so and which kind of scares me because I feel like they wouldn't let him do that in WWE he can't be like a pothead <laughs> yeah, no, no, like, that wouldn't work so at all so I feel like if if I was smart and I had a wrestling company, I'd be like, oh, dude, I mean, come on. You, you can go over there, and they're not going to let you be you. Right. Or, or I'm telling, giving you the keys of this company. I, right. He would be my number one draft pick. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Who else is there? Um, I love, uh, let's see, uh, Candice LeRae. I love yeah. her a lot. Um, I'm a big fan. Uh, let's see. Who else on the end? Those are like my favorite. Oh, Pentagon. Favorite? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. How about uh, how about your your WWE people? Uh, let's see. I love Cesaro. I love Kevin Kevin Owens. I loved him for a long time. He's uh, when back in PWG. He's always yeah. super nice. I was about to say, you better not just make me a list of PWG guys that are in WWE now. It's still gonna be a little <laughs> bit. It's gonna be a little bit of that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Sammy Zayn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Chris Jericho, who of course I just he's just a legend. So, but he's just been killing it. Like, how blown away were you by Chris Jericho's last run? He's amazing, amazing, he, right? Way he got just better and better, and it was just it's just cool because you could tell he was happy, and you could tell he was having fun working with Kevin. And yeah. So it's like when you're having fun at work, you do better at your work, and it was just showing. And then uh, Braun Strowman, of course, he's like, isn't he great? Amazing to come in so quickly and pick it up so fast. Do you think he's a good guy? I think Braun Strowman is a good guy. He seems like a good guy. I mean, I know I don't mean like a good guy. I mean like you know, like like in wrestling. Oh, Um, like I feel like no. I think he plays a great heel, but he he comes out. It's just like you can't. It's just hard to be a heel against Roman. You know, like if if you just do anything to Roman, people are going to love you. Yeah, as having this conversation with someone else is like it just. Especially, it's so weird to me where they're like, no, 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 Roman's a face, Roman's a face. But also, let's put Roman over wrestling's dad, The Undertaker. Well, that's, you know? that's to me when, when I felt like when, I, when The Undertaker's kind of symbolically retired or whatever, I felt like that and Roman beat him. And then he came out the next night and was kind of disrespectful about it, not like, you know, honoring The Undertaker. He was just like, I told you. I felt like this is a clear... Heel turn. Yeah, but then they kind of back off. They always back off a bit. Yeah, isn't that weird? It is weird. I would like them to go full heel, and I guess you know they just don't think hills can sell shirts. But I think, I think that's old old way of thinking. Yeah, I wonder if the if the thinking like will women and children still cheer for a bad guy? And I kind of think they might. Yeah, especially kids. Like, but, mm, here's my question. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I've never heard of women liking a bad boy. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Women only like the good guys. Mm-hmm. They like their friends. That's mm-hmm. who they date. They like to date their best buddies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely don't sleep with the bad boy for a long time and then wait until they're later in their thirties and then come back around. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. Have you ever thought about? Did you ever try to uh, uh, write for WWE or anything like that? I thought about it before I got into comedy because uh, I was always into. You wouldn't want to try to do both. No. Have you heard? Do you, I'm sure you know uh, Patrice O'Neill. Yes. You know he wrote for them? Yes. Have you, Freddie Prinze, Junior. Yeah. Have you heard yeah. Patrice's stories, though, about writing for them? Um, no. I just heard anyone who I've talked to who doesn't, like, work work there, but, like, worked in entertainment and then worked there and then came back. We were always like, nah. <laughs> Patrice worked there for three days. <laughs> and then he was like, nah, this ain't, no. Yeah, because it's got to be your life. And it's like. I mean, and that's what it was. He literally was like, no, I'm doing stand-up this weekend. Yeah. And they were like, mm-mm, you're writing. And he's like, no, I'm doing stand-up. Yeah. And that was 
That was yeah, kind of that. They didn't know who they had. <laughs> no. <laughs> Can you imagine if they had just done whatever they could to keep Patrice O'Neill <laughs> and he had written for like months or years or whatever it is, the storylines that we would get? That'd be crazy. Incredible. Yeah. But uh, it, that's not a, a. No, because I mean, I would love to. I, I'm a, I would love to do it for somewhere else. I mean, if it was something where. But that company doesn't exist currently. But like, yeah, I would love to. I have booking ideas all the time. I love just entertainment ideas. But I don't think that that would be the place for me just because they need someone. And I, not no disrespect, I understand that. If you, That's the WWE universe. So if you right. want to work there, why would I take a job away from someone who that's all they care about? Right. Just because that's what I care about, like. 48%, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I mean, the amount of content that WWE puts out and the level that it puts it out, and I'm not talking about, you know, getting into specifics like this mm-hmm. guy should get pushed or that. I'm talking about the production value and, and the consistency of it. You can understand why they need people. Oh, 100%. That just give everything. Just from going to their catering. Right. Best yeah. catering in the Best, business. It's incredible, isn't it? I was just like, NBC, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? They're blowing you guys out the water. Yeah. Yeah, before you before you pat me on the head and say, "Oh, they're their wrestling fan." Check out their catering, NBC. You know, <laughs> see what they have to offer. Yeah, they're killing it in the <laughs> catering game. The best. Have you? Is, is that something? Do you think if you uh, if you had unlimited money, you would open a, a wrestling promotion? Oh, if I had unlimited money, for sure. That's yeah. like a dream thing. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. It probably wouldn't go well, and the wrestlers would take advantage of me. Okay. <laughs> you just be having, you just be having because I'm a mar. Yeah, <laughs> they would, they carny you out of all your money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. That's the only fun part about being in it is when you are being not in it, but near it is when you're like, oh. Some are super cool, but like some people definitely have a carny vibe. And you I gotta, mean, it's a carny business. Yeah, then they will hustle you if they can. Yeah, and, and especially if you I mean because oh, you're a mark, you're a mark, you're to be hustled. Right. Uh, so, but um, but maybe if the network wants to do get high watch wrestling, we could do that. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> still, I don't think you've uh, you've you've marketed yourself the proper way for the network. No, probably not. That's not quite. But Mm-mm. show is successful regardless. Get it high and watch is. wrestling. Right? So explain get high and watch wrestling. Yeah. Although I don't know if it needs a, a long explanation. It's a show where we get high and watch wrestling. Right. It's basically Mystery Science Theater meets Monday Night Raw. So mm-hmm. we we uh, put together. Uh, usually have a theme or, or something. Our next theme is because uh, we're excited about Glow. We're going to do all women's wrestling. Uh, so we do like little 50-minute clips of promos, uh, older matches, newer matches, uh, just little clips. Not, never really usually like a full match. We just kind of like kind of a snapshot of wrestling basically. So it's like if you were to bring a friend and you wanted to show them the weirdness of wrestling. Like right. This is for them, and then we smoke a bunch of pot. So it works you for, don't have to if you don't want to. It works for a comedy audience, too. Like oh, that's absolutely. Yeah, we have people be. just coming hanging out. Like, Doug Benson just came by because he saw Get High. By the way, <laughs> Doug Benson also, one of the greatest guys of all time. Yeah, he's super chill. He um, came by. Conan's been there. It's oh, really? Like, yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Who's the, who's? Do you have a regular panel or does it rotate? It rotates. It's me and Pac, and then we rotated. We had uh, Mike Lawrence, who's a great comedian. Very good. Won the roast battle. I've had him on. Uh, and then um, I think we're gonna have the Killer Bays coming up for the Glow one. So yeah. Um, so it's uh, down in the Lucas Brothers. I would love to, but they're in New York. Um, but when they're, if they're in L.A., definitely have the yeah. Lucas Brothers. Have you thought about doing like a? a uh, a podcast version of it where I mean you wouldn't be able I think to. We might be. Yeah, get high talk wrestling. Right. <laughs> oh, just get high and talk. Because I was gonna say you could take like a terrible WCW pay per view from two thousand one or something like that, mm-hmm. and 
just get high and watch wrestling, and then you can watch along on the network and just listen mm-hmm. to the track. That's not a bad idea. You know what I mean? That's a smart way to go about it. Yeah, because that way, as you're high, you don't have to worry about maintaining a show. Yeah. Because that where, that's where get high and talk wrestling runs yeah. a risk, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you can just find like a – because there are plenty of pay-per-views that are like just insane. Yeah. Like I can't believe – like from top to bottom, I can't believe this show ever happened. And those, I would think, would be the perfect. Mm-hmm. Like a new blood rising. Exactly. Yeah. WCW sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anything. Any WCW 2000-2001. the best. you were a gift. It's the best. You were a gift of horrible television. He swears, though. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> is, no, it's the worst. It's just bad TV. People are missing their cues. People are just, it's like just, oh, you're not being ran well. It's right. Just... <laughs> right. Uh, uh, have you, uh, have you ended up? Meeting a bunch of uh, wrestlers that are fans of what you do? Yeah, man. It's crazy, right? It's when there's great. a mutual admiration society. I love it. I wish it was more main eventers. <laughs> 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 but they go, they just like me. We working our way up from the mid-card. <laughs> we go get there. All we going to get released is what it yeah. happens. Uh, uh, but no, it's great. Um, um, you know, people who, who obviously are more around comedy or you're usually more into me. Big E uh, was a fan of mine who... Uh, and also a friend of mine, and then uh, the Miz and uh, uh, Dolph Ziggler. You know? Yeah. Uh, so it's just like any any of the ones who kind of hang out around a comedy life already. Uh, I've managed to convert. <laughs> <laughs> man, oh man! So uh, 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 we should talk about uh, uh, why you're in town in the tour. Yeah, Funchamania. Yeah. Which this is why I have respect uh, uh, for Ron Funches because. Not only do you wear your wrestling fandom on your sleeve, but even the people who wear their wrestling fandom on their sleeve, not that many people are ballsy enough to truly incorporate it with their mainstream act. Like, you're not doing a wrestling comedy show for wrestling fans. No. You're doing a comedy show for comedy fans, but since you're such a big wrestling fan, you named it Funchamania and drew a picture of yourself as a wrestler. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the best. You got it. It's the best. <laughs> yeah, basically, I mean... It kind of just go with what I was trying to get across with with the theme of the tour. The theme of my tour is that I'm like, it's an event. It's a special thing. It's not me just going. It was my first time of me leaving the club scene and just kind of being like, here's me in a theater. Here's me control of everything. And so it's it's not a regular show. It's an event. And to me, the, the biggest event in the world is WrestleMania. Right. And so I wanted to do my version of WrestleMania. So is this a mecca of all comedy events? Yes. <laughs> I'd say so. I would say so as well. It sounds I like it. I would say so. So what, kind of, what, what, what makes uh, the Funchamania shows different from traditional comedy shows? I mean, nothing really. <laughs> right. Just because you're doing great comedy. Yeah, it's and you're big... checking great jokes. Me and my friends also telling great jokes. I might tell one wrestling joke or two, uh-huh. uh, but that's about it. It's just really just, uh, I've just, I, f- I get a lot of my influences not just from wrestling, but also from from music and especially hip hop music. And there's always seen this thing where it's like, people know I'm a wrestling fan, people know what I'm about. Right. And so. I feel like, oh, this is kind of, I'm hoping that this tour will end up becoming like a special. And the, and I don't want to go away from the people who I already love, you know? Yes. So to me, it's like I could either go and be like, oh, here's just Ron Funches and maybe I'll catch some mainstream people and they'll like me. And I just, but I want to like, no, this is who I am. And if you like wrestling and you, you might like me, you might not. Right. But, you know, but you might. And, and even if you don't, this is just who I am and this is what I like. And so this is what I wanted to do. Right, right. I mean, it's great. It's the way it should be. 
I think so. It's, I think it's the way that it works. Sometimes it's a little bit longer, right. but I think it, it works, and people have been responding to it. And so. it's also, I mean, there's a there's a longevity. I think. I think when you when you work it this way, and it's from an honest place, and you're you're being yourself about it, and that's what you're selling. There's not this thing of the bottom dropping out at any moment because people are invested in you. Oh yeah, you because know that that. That mainstream majority mix of people is fickle. They move from thing to thing, right? Whatever it is, you know, it could ten to five to seven years ago it was poker. You know, everyone was playing poker, right? And then like right now it's kind of UFC, you know, right? It, but it'll be something else. And in late nineties it was wrestling, right? You know, but it'll move. Um, but if you go for your group of people, they don't move. They stay there. And then eventually, hopefully. The rest of them move towards you for about. They join the group. Yeah, yeah. They move over for about ten minutes and then they leave again. There's a, you know? there's a cycling subgroup of people that join your group that stays. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I get it. I get it. Uh, can you tell me the names of anybody that are jumping on the shows with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I have mostly just my friends on it. It's just uh, Shane Torres who um, he has a, a, a Comedy Central half hour special that'll be premiering in in the fall. He lives out here in New York. Great comedian from Portland. Um, Ramon Rivas from Cleveland. Uh, he um, also has a Comedy Central half hour that came out last year. Uh, my friend Gabe Dinger. I guess I shouldn't have started with Gay, ended with Gabe because he does not have a special. <laughs> uh, but he was in a big freedom music video. <laughs> He's done a lot of things. Uh, it's just a lot of my friends. They depending on on the region, they kind of switch up. Right. Um, so you know, I'm doing um, New York and um, Boston and Philly this weekend, and then. We'll go to other places. People can go to ronfunches.com, and um, I'll be touring all summer, so come see me. Yeah, go to ronfunches.com. I saw there are a couple dates in Canada, too. I know there are a bunch of Canadian listeners. Yeah, uh, Vancouver will be there. Yeah, it'll be all through the Northwest, Seattle, Portland, uh, Nashville. So a lot of spots. And then we have, again, our Get High Watch Wrestling show that we do uh, now at the Largo. Next one's June 29th. You can get Get High Watch Wrestling t-shirts and Funchamania shirts at Pro Wrestling Tees because I'm basically a wrestler, but I don't take bumps. (laughs) Have you ever taken a bump? (laughs) Never, whether drug-wise or anything else. Are you interested at all in learning how to do anything in the ring just because it's fun? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm very interested in that. I don't want to get hurt, but I'm interested in learning. Uh, but again, I like to come at everything. It's just like um, I started in stand up, and then I got into acting, and then once I got some chances into acting, I was like, oh, I I need to get in class, and I need to respect it because the only thing I hate, I I knew I hated, not the only thing, but I knew I hated when people come into stand up who clearly didn't have a respect for the craft, who right. don't, don't do it, or just doing it because they want to get a paycheck. Some some wrestlers have been known to do it. Uh, but a lot of people, a lot of celebrities have been known to do it. Yeah. And, and it always made me mad. And so I knew when I wanted to be an actor that I didn't want to be that type of person. So I was like, I got to learn about this craft, respect this craft. Do you go to acting classes mm-hmm. and things like still that? still do. Yeah. And, uh, and so if it was wrestling, I wanted to be like the same thing, which is like, look, I'm not, I don't want to be, taking up anyone's spot who actually wants to be a real professional wrestler. Right. But if you have room for me to play around and live out my little fantasy camp, I'll do it. But I'm not trying to, you know, muck up the works. Well, look, I don't have any promises, but next time you're out on the East Coast, I can take you out to Long Island and Kurt Hawkins Wrestling School. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's a ring down there. Kurt, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, man, I'm glad we uh, we finally got a chance to chop it up. Yeah, man. Um... Are you going to be back on the East Coast for SummerSlam? Oh, 
I hope so. Nothing's for certain. Yeah. But I would love to. Well, hit me up if you are, man. Yes, sir. Thanks for doing the show. And uh, make sure you follow at Ron Funches and ronfunches.com for all the dates. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Here is Sam Roberts. Big thanks to Ron Funches. Love having that guy uh, on the podcast. I've been waiting to have him on for a while. I've seen him uh, in different spots, but uh, it's just it's just fun getting to talk to people. That, to me, is one of the big values of podcasts, is uh, getting to sit down and talk to uh, different uh, uh, people, in this case, people in the world of, of WWE and pro wrestling. But not only for me do I get to have conversations with cool people, but as a listener, I know... That's what I like to do is eavesdrop on some amazing conversations. And my buddies at the Art of Charm have a podcast that I recommend. I I, I rarely do this, but to me, uh, uh, it's something uh, worth checking out. The Art of Charm is basically – it's a show that's uh, going to help you get your life on track from all aspects. I mean business, dating, personal life, family, just being a, a, a human being and functioning in this world – that's what the art of charm is all about. It's all kinds of tips that you can just tweak in your own life to get you to the next level in whatever it is that you're trying to do. Uh, they, it's, a, it's an iTunes Top 50 podcast. I mean, it's a very, very big deal, and it's packed with wisdom uh, in the truest sense of the word on how to become more productive and professional, uh, 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 to how to read body language, network, negotiate. I mean, this is going to help you in job interviews. This is going to help you in dating. This is going to help you everywhere. Um, some of the topics that they cover are how to create confidence, how to get people to like and trust you, how to keep things fresh in relationships, how to create or end relationships. And then they talk about business stuff, productivity, time management, biohacking, basically anything that's going to help you upgrade your brain so you can become a high performer both at home and work. It really is a fun show and it's addictive. They have amazing, amazing guests on the show. And that to me, you learn from all of them. I mean, they have they have you know scientists on the show. They have media personalities on the show. They have everyone. You can search out the podcast for yourself. Go to artofcharm.com slash podcast or search for The Art of Charm in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and tell them Sam Roberts sent you. Let them know. Let them know that you found out about him from Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And it's just, you know, I believe in uh, uh, upgrading yourself as a human being as often as possible. And that's what they help you do over on The Art of Charm. Speaking of uh, upgrading yourself, uh, I, I think I'm going to cover it here instead of in the state of wrestling because, uh, I don't know, I guess I, I'd hate to think of this as being under the wrestling umbrella. But how about that LeVar Ball segment on Raw this week, huh? LeVar Ball on Miz TV. Listen, it was... If, if Alexa Bliss thought that she had the worst segment in the history of Raw, this definitely uh, uh, challenges it. But it's not like, uh, it's not like this, this, is, this segment was bad because of anything that WWE did. WWE made one mistake, which I, will, I do not understand. WWE's mistake was thinking that LeVar Ball or the Ball family, I guess because they were in Los Angeles, were good guys. When LeVar Ball has been one of the most hated people in sports media... For the last couple months, everywhere he goes, people are annoyed by him. He's obnoxious. People hate him. I love LeVar Ball media uh, spots because he's so obnoxious. You know, I like seeing that awfulness. I don't know what it says about me, but I like it. Um, I didn't like him on Raw. And it was obvious to me that 
It wasn't that like he was scripted in this lame segment. It was he didn't follow any sort of script. He did not do what it was he was there to do. Now, again, it doesn't make sense that he was a good guy. And, oh, oh, the cringe. When Dean Ambrose, who is supposed to be the lunatic fringe, comes out in a big baller brand t-shirt, you think Brian Pillman, Roddy Piper, Steve Austin, Norman the lunatic, you think any of those guys would come out with a big baller brand logo on their t-shirt? Oh, come on. Terrible. But just just it, it's so and it's and it's so it it speaks more to LeVar Ball than it does to anything WWE. That's why I'm not covering it in state of wrestling. But just to be such not a team player. I can't imagine how Lonzo Ball is going to do with the Lakers if this is the environment that he was raised in. LeVar Ball went into that ring to make LeVar Ball look as cool as possible. It was not about being a part of the show. It was not about making Raw better. It was not about making his own kid better. It wasn't even about making his kid the star when his kid is the star. His kid is the basketball player. It was about making himself look cooler. It was very clear what was supposed to happen there. LeVar Ball is the celebrity. He's the local guy. He comes out. The Miz is rude to him. He, kind of, he takes umbrage with it. The Miz steps to him. He kind of takes a step back. And Dean Ambrose comes out to save the day. So obvious. So clear. Wrestling 101. Just stick to the plan and everything will be fine. But no. LeVar Ball has to take his shirt off, do ninja moves, jump on the top rope, do cartoon noises and cartoon faces, run to the ring like he just took a crap in his pants, and then and then the kids have live mics and the kids are dropping the kid is dropping an n bomb on the show. It was just like my annoyance almost entirely went with the Ball family, and I think that's where WWE's annoyance should be too. I mean, it's like come on, like it's just disrespectful to come onto somebody's show and just decide to not not be a part of the show. To just, to just go into business, as they say, for yourself. It was gross. It was gross. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, it was so obvious that, like, you know, the Ambrose music hit when it hit for a reason. And then they cut that segment short, no doubt. I'll tell you this. Here's the positive takeaway from that segment. As you know, I am a fan of this stuff, after all. The positive takeaway is that The Miz is so good. The fact that that was anything even remotely close to a Monday Night Raw segment is all because of The Miz. I hope that The Miz got heaps and heaps of praise for how well he did doing that. He kept his cool. He stayed in character. I mean, LeVar Ball was making it goddamn impossible for The Miz to do what he is there to do. And The Miz rolled with it. He reacted to it. He didn't get shaky. He didn't step down. Honestly, I think The Miz had to have been pissed and was probably ready to kick his ass. And I believe, you know, you've seen the videos of The Miz training. I believe at this point in The Miz's life, he's taken enough crap from his years in the world of of WWE and pro wrestling that if he needs to fight somebody outside the world of wrestling, he can probably do it. 
you know, at this point, maybe not Miz, you know, Miz with the long shorts on, Miz in the Divas shirts search, that Miz would probably get thrown way off his game by somebody like LeVar Ball, because he was just trying to do what was right. But as somebody that's performed in front of audiences before, not a wrestling audience, but audiences in general, to me, it's like if somebody comes on my radio show and and kind of steps up and tries to snatch it away from me and acts like it's their show, they're not, I'm not going to respond pleasantly. You know what I mean? I'm going to defend my show as if it's my house. If somebody goes into your house and puts their muddy shoes on their couch and goes, F yo couch, I'm Rick James, bitch, you'd be mad. You'd be Charlie Murphy and you'd throw him against a window if you had to, right? That's what The Miz did. To me, The Miz deserves a lot of praise from WWE fans because The Miz stepped up and he defended his house. That look, I mean, you look in the eye, The Miz was not shaken. The Miz would have fought Lonzo Ball if he had to. He would have fought him. But I love that he stepped up to him. And I love that, like, he kept it going. He stayed in character. Because of The Miz, that was still, as, you know, as you know, I get it, scripted this, phony, fake that, whatever you want to say. But because of The Miz, that segment was still Miz TV. And anyone else, somebody newer than The Miz, somebody less experienced than The Miz, they would have given that time up to Lonzo Ball. It would have been called, it would have been Ball TV. It, and that would have been Balls, quite frankly. But Miz stepped up and made sure that that was Miz TV. And I think he deserves a a heaping helping of credit for it. So big props to The Miz uh, for doing everything that he could to save that segment. And uh, up yours, Lonzo Ball. That's what I say. Speaking of TV, I hope by now everybody's gotten a chance to watch Glow. It's, uh, you know, again, this is not an ad for it. It's just I I think that Glow is one of the first times that uh, wrestling... The wrestler did it too, but the... See... Pro wrestling historically has been treated as super cheese in mainstream media. It's two things. It's either super cheese or it's this, you know, elephant graveyard that just leads to nowhere and it's it's just the saddest thing you've ever seen. And Glow does this great job of keeping mainstream so it doesn't lose its audience, but treating wrestling with respect and kind of explaining why somebody would want to do this and why somebody would take so much pride in it. Uh, I think it's a very, very valuable thing. Uh, Allison Bree said that the GLOW women were actually trained by Chavo Guerrero Jr. Brodus Clay is on it. Carlito's on it. Again, if you haven't seen it, please, uh, I haven't run it on the podcast. If you want me to run it on my podcast, just uh, tweet me at NotSam, but I'm assuming if you have podcasts, you have YouTube. Go to YouTube slash Jim and Sam Show. And you can watch the interview that uh, Jim Norton and I did with Mark Marin and Allison Bree. Um, and you'll be glad for it. Have I told you about Audible? Now, I know you all like listening to this show, and you should listen to this show, but Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast occupies what? Maybe two hours of your week if you're listening every single week? There's a lot of hours left for your ears to be filled with something during that time. Audible is the answer to all that. Audible has everything you need. It's got all kinds of great wrestling books. If you like wrestling, if you like movies, if you like whatever your hobbies are, if you like novels, you like fiction, Audible's got all of it. And wait till you hear this. Audible has just launched its first ever binge 
listening event. All you guys out there in trucks, I'm talking to you. You are invited to binge on great listens and big savings with Audible's biggest sale ever. You can enjoy all the benefits of gold Audible membership. I'm talking celebrity narrated Audible books, new podcasts, and audio shows, exclusive content, and a whole lot more. You can join now. And you can get a year, an entire year of Audible for only $99. That's a $50 savings, the usual annual membership. Uh, it retails for $149.95. Right now, you can get an entire year of Audible for only 99 bucks. Fill your ears with something other than this podcast when you're done with this podcast. The sale ends June 28th. Learn more at audible.com slash binge. Check it out for yourself. And uh, while you're, but before you do that, check out the state of wrestling uh, right now. It's now time for this week's state of wrestling. Oh, it's that time again. State of wrestling, and what a week for the females, huh? What a week for the ladies of Raw and SmackDown. This week was history. This was what history looks like. I don't think that history. Because you hear about it so much these days. In the last year, the word history has been thrown around, or thrown around a lot with the women. And I don't think history is so contingent on a stipulation. You know, I don't think history... Yes, it's notable to have a Hell in a Cell match or a Money in the Bank match or an Iron Man match or whatever kind of match, a hardcore match or a table match or a kendo stick match or a wooden match or a paper match. It's notable, but history is when when things are changed. History is when you look back, when the standard is different than it once was, and we look back and we say, what was that change? Hulk Hogan winning the WWF championship was history, not just because Hulk Hogan is this you know famous dude, not just because... Hulk Hogan had a long run as champion, but because Hulk Hogan ushered in a new era, that that moment was symbolic of the sports entertainment era, the golden age of wrestling. That was symbolic of of the the times changing. When we think about before Hulk Hogan, we think of uh, Bruno San Martino and Bob Backlund. And maybe some of the stuff, that, and, and the territories. When we think of after Hulk Hogan, we think of the WWF as a national sports entertainment company, for better or worse. That's when we think of the beginning of it. Steve Austin coming out after WrestleMania 14 and accepting the new WWF championship from Vince McMahon. That's history. Why? Because it's the beginning of Stone Cold. Because it ushers in something. And some of the things that Stone Cold did are history. Driving in a Zamboni. Driving in a beer truck. Not just because it's the first time that that stuff ever happened. But because that stuff is, uh, is, a, is a demarcation of the era that we were living in. That stuff is, is evidence of what was normal in the world of pro wrestling. And history is when Raw and SmackDown are both headlined by women's matches. And it's not this big PR blitz. It's one thing when you do it for the attention, and it's another thing when 
It's a natural. It's another thing when it just fits into storyline. If the SmackDown ladder match, Money in the Bank ladder match, had not been the last match on SmackDown, it would have been weird. Unless they were trying to do some kind of cash-in angle later on in that evening. It would have been strange to not have that match close the show. And I don't think anybody was scratching their head when the Raw Women's Gauntlet match closed Raw on Monday. And that's why we're looking at a, a historical shift. We're looking at, like, it used to be the match with Lita and Trish Stratus was, like, this anomaly. Because when else has a female match closed Monday Night Raw? And now it's happened multiple times, right? That is when you start looking at it. That's when you call it progress to me. And and, and that's that's why, that was part of my my thing about the Money in the Bank match at the pay-per-view was that the, the, the moment that Carmella wins the briefcase is not the history part. The history part is that the match happened and that it was a match we were all looking forward to. It's okay that a bad guy won, that a good guy won. That like, you know, James Ellsworth is not going to go down in history. He'll go down in history as a guy who a lot of people maybe thought ruined the finish. But... You know, it's not necessarily in a in a not a bad guy wrestler type of way. So I think that, that this week was a great week in terms of history and progress for women's wrestling. Uh, on Raw, I was really surprised with the outcome, but I was really happy. I've been a fan of Sasha Banks forever. Everybody knows she was declared my favorite wrestler two years ago at this point. So to see her back in that major, major title scene is great news. I just hope it maintains. I hope it sticks because I'm not a fan of the idea that one week Sasha Banks is struggling to beat Alicia Fox and the next week she's the number one contender. Not because there's something wrong with it being Sasha Banks, but because you start to lose the continuity of the character. Like, okay, where are we at with this character? Because, no offense to Alicia Fox, I think she's great. I like what she does with Noam Dar. But where she stands in the rankings as far as the women's division goes, the number one contender should be able to really easily defeat Alicia Fox. Not lose to her clean, ever. So I I, I just don't think, and, and I think that there's a thinking that as long as we give this person some wins before their title match, everything will be fine, as opposed to looking at this as a long-term career thing. Like, not who are we building up towards this pay-per-view, but who are we building in general? How are we protecting the people who are in the main event picture of this scene? And it gets more complicated because of the draft, because of the separate rosters, because of things like the Superstar Shake-Up, where... You might decide, now I want this guy to main event over here, but while he was on, like, look at look at Jinder Mahal. You just decide you want him to be the champion of the world, which is fine, but that's the issue in my mind that a lot of people have with Jinder, is that he's good and he's believable as a champion, but not in context of the way we've been watching him. That it's a stretch to take somebody that loses every match and then have them win one and be the number one contender, and then win the title. You start scratching your head, like, what are, what are we, 
what are we doing here? Again, not against that decision. I'm just saying in terms of, of, of portraying characters the way they should be portrayed, you know, these guys got to win. That's why I think it's so important for somebody like Bray Wyatt to have his matches picked delicately because at the moment, he strikes me as the bad guy that good guys beat on their way to becoming the number one contender. And you can only do that twice and have it be effective. Because once it becomes a habit, once it becomes this thing where, oh yeah, that's the guy that loses to the good guys right before they go for the championship. Well, then it's not effective anymore because you walk in knowing, oh yeah, well, he's going to do what he came to do, lose to that guy, and then that guy will want a title match. But if Bray Wyatt has lost to everybody already, then in terms of the character, how do we believe that this guy that beat Bray Wyatt is the number one contender? When everybody's beaten Bray Wyatt, it's not a it's not a, a thing to be proud of necessarily. So, you know, I just think, and I guess it's tough because of all the hours of TV. I think that's why jobbers are so, or, or enhancement talent or whatever you want to call them, is so valuable because it can show you these characters. Like I think the Seth Rollins-Kurt Hawkins match is a great example of that. That that is Kurt Hawkins' role in the company right now. And I love that he has a character. He gets a little bit of mic time. You can still sell some t-shirts. You can make an action figure. You can make money with this guy that is not there to win championships. You can make a little bit of money with this guy that is really just there to put people over. And, you know, I think there needs to be more of that so it can give the guys who are going to be looked at as main event guys or girls the chance to shine. I think that's the issue with with Sasha Banks. It's like, oh, okay, now she's back to being a main event person. It's one thing, you know, flipping the title back and forth between her and Charlotte, while I don't like titles slipping back and forth, at least it's between the two of them, and they end up even. So it's like, well, between these two, I don't know who's better. But when you start doing that division-wide, it's an issue. Because somebody's got to be better. And we've got to believe that they're better. If you've got a bad guy women's champion, then you need a good guy who the fans view as the uncrowned champion. And I'd love it if Sasha Banks is that person. It seemed like for a second they were trying to get there with Bailey, and maybe that's not happening. Um, they're teasing it with Nia Jax, but she's not a good guy. She's a bad guy. So I, I would think that Sasha Banks would be your natural pick. As I said, I think, and and Charlotte not being on Raw anymore, that's an opening. And that's not Alexa Bliss's spot. Alexa Bliss has her own spot that she's carved out. I think when you look in the future, Alexa Bliss is going to be talked about the way you talk about Trish Stratus. Sasha Banks is going to be talked about the way you talk about Lita, you know, those female icons. And I honestly think that if Charlotte is in here for the long haul, Charlotte is going to be talked about like a female John Cena. Charlotte's going to be on a different level than we've ever seen a female be spoken about on WWE. And that's a big, bold statement, but I think that that's just the way it's going to be for her. So, I was, I you know, Bailey took the old squash ski, uh, which kind of left me, it definitely left me surprised a little befuddled because after the weird interview that she did with Corey Graves, it's like they're doing something, right? Like when you're watching it, it's not like Bailey is forgotten about. She's doing something 
the way she got her full entrance in the women's match led me to believe, like, okay, we're we're being instructed to take notice of Bailey. This is somebody that we're supposed to be paying attention to. Like, this is somebody. And then to have her lose clean in that first match, it was great for Nia Jax. I thought that, that Nia Jax and Sasha Banks both had great nights in that women's gauntlet match. Nia Jax came off the way Nia Jax should. I have no problem with the way Nia Jax is looking. I love the idea of Nia Jax being this monster who's unstoppable. And Sasha gets the pin over her, but it's after she's gone through the entire division, and there's still that, that arguable thing. Like, we, can't, we can sit there and say, well, after that, Sasha Banks deserves to be the number one contender. We can't sit there and say, well, clearly Sasha Banks can beat Nia Jax on any night. You can't say that because of the way it was set up, which I think is great. But you can say that Bailey can't beat Nia Jax. That is something you can say. You know, you would ignore the evidence that we have if we if we go back to the NXT days because obviously that would be objected to immediately. But based on what we saw on Raw this week, the character we know as Bailey cannot beat the character that we know as Nia Jax. And she's, that, that is not an even match. Bailey is not on that level, which is really interesting because, you know, WrestleMania was built around Bailey. I, I don't know if just this idea of Bailey uh, uh, has grown cold on people. I don't know if maybe Bailey uh, is kind of in between, like in the middle of her character right now, where it's sort of she's not this rookie like you can only be happy to be there for so long as a person like as a character it's only believable that she's happy to be there for so long honestly i think the alexa bliss feud did a lot of damage to the bailey character because bailey never never got her comeuppance unless this is some kind of a slow burn for bailey to take some time getting thrashed upon and then come back strong for one reason or another you know she's still Looks the part. She's got a great theme song. She's got a great entrance, great outfit. The you know, but like she looks like okay, a, a fully fleshed, developed character, and comes across that way. And we know that she's excellent in the ring. So the question remains: Okay, well then, what's where does she where does she fall here? And what was up with the Corey Graves being hugged thing? You know, was that? the 19th storyline for Corey Graves on Raw, which I'm not complaining about, but, or is it something that where where Bailey doesn't really get what's going on, or is this something that was forgotten about, or just a one-off, or I don't know. I really don't know. But I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with Bailey, because it's an, it's, it's an interesting time for her. Because all this opportunity exists, and, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a large list of people who came from NXT, who it didn't really work out, who NXT was the best part of their career so far. And you don't want that to happen to Bailey. I mean, the reaction for her was huge when she debuted. Uh, you know, they people were waiting and waiting and waiting for her. I was happy with the way she walked out of WrestleMania with the title. Uh, I think it could have been done a little differently getting there, but... You know, I was happy to see that, and it was like, okay. But, you know, the fact that Alexa Bliss was not only able to get away. We, we had this whole storyline 
where this bad guy, Alexa Bliss, was saying to Bailey, hey, you're not capable of wrestling in an extreme rules match. You're not extreme. You're not hardcore. Whatever, whatever word was being used at the time. You're not this person. You can't hang. And Bailey said, well, I've been watching ECW tapes. And then based on the promos leading up to the match, based on the This Is Your Life Bailey segment, and based on the match itself, bad guy Alexa Bliss was proven to be correct as a character. Bailey was not able to reach deep down and get brutal and get violent. And I think that that could have been a strong side. If we see Bailey, maybe she's not that happy to be there anymore. Maybe she doesn't like the fact that Alexa Bliss has been straight up bullying her. And now it's time to do what you got to do to bully sometime. Punch him in the face so they stop messing with you. But, I mean, to this day, uh, Bailey hasn't gotten revenge for the way Alexa Bliss humiliated her on Raw. The fa- Alexa Bliss, you know, the Alexa Bliss was criticized for it from fans, and it was it was it was talked about on Raw that it was the worst segment ever, and blah blah blah. But Bailey didn't get that comeuppance, or or didn't deliver that comeuppance. So, you know that that intrigued me very much. But that said, I'm I love uh, the Sasha Banks Nia Jax thing. Hopefully. Sasha Banks will be used in such a way where she's a very believable number one contender. I I think with Sasha Banks, she's always the right story away from being the top woman on the show. I think she's got that ability in her, but she's one story away. Personally, I would rather see Alexa Bliss do her bad guy thing and have Nia Jax paired with bad guy Sasha Banks. I would rather have the return of the full-on legit boss and have Nia Jax be her backup. I think that that would be awesome TV. I think that the the promos would work. You know, I, I think that I think that would be the best use of both those people. Um, but we'll see. You know, I I truly think that Sasha Banks is a better bad guy than she is a good guy at the moment. So you know, we'll see. But I am happy to see Sasha uh, back in that in that main event women's slot for Great Balls of Fire, and I'm so happy to see the two women's matches uh, take over the main event slots for Raw and SmackDown this week. Over on SmackDown, the Money in the Bank match, of course, and I preferred, I think, this Money in the Bank match this week to the one on the pay-per-view. Ending aside, let's not even talk about the ending yet. We'll get there. But as a match, I preferred the match this week better I preferred it to the match on the pay-per-view. I thought uh, some of the stuff Becky Lynch was doing was outstanding. Climbing the ladder when it was still folded and straight up, awesome. Uh, I thought Natalia was especially good, especially good in the match that was on SmackDown. She was aggressive. She looked, uh, it looked real. It looked believable. Her timing was really, really good. Uh, I thought she was great. Uh, I, 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 I enjoyed where the match went. I would love to talk to somebody, though, who can tell me why they did it. I guess one of the criticisms coming out of of the Money in the Bank pay-per-view ending was that the Money in the Bank winner is supposed to have this moment on top of the ladder, right? That we're supposed to be able to see the fact that Carmella won that first female Money in the Bank match uh, 
we're supposed to have this this shot of Carmella on top of the ladder with that briefcase. And I kind of I kind of disagree. And the reason that I disagree, I'm not saying that I don't think it should happen. I'm saying I don't think it's necessary. Because Carmella is what could be categorized as a chicken shit heel. And James Ellsworth is the chicken shit heel's chicken shit heel manager, right? They're they're people who are bad guys who will take shortcuts, who will win at any cost. It's not about integrity. And the idea that you wouldn't because the the hero shot is the shot that's on top of the ladder, that hero shot. You know, Edge won one of his money in the bank briefcases in a singles match from Mr. Kennedy. He didn't have his moment on the ladder, but he was still, in my mind, the most memorable Mr. Money in the Bank that there's ever been. He really is the first person to fully utilize that briefcase and become the ultimate opportunist. And he didn't have a moment. He did later or before, which, I mean, one of them he won on the, in the ladder and the other one he won in a singles match. But one of his briefcases, he did not get up on the ladder for it at all. Um... So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't agree with this idea that Carmella needed to have a moment on the ladder of, of being a hero and and marking that I am the first woman in history to win a women's Money in the Bank ladder match because she's a bad guy. The idea that Carmella and James Ellsworth would ruin history in order to get that briefcase is realistic to me. That they would ruin history in order to get what they wanted, act that selfishly, fits both of their characters. That's why I never had a real problem with it. I understand that people, you know, wanted it to be this more sort of socially relevant moment where, you know, women make history, but it was a wrestling finish in a wrestling match, and to me, doing something that you would do with men and you you would do that with men. This idea it hasn't happened before, but if there were more women, man, like let's say Mike and Maria Canellis were main eventers, you know, and that's you know I don't know where they're at right now. We'll talk about that. But let's say they're main eventers, or let's say they're mid card, whatever. And Mike Canellis is in a Money in the Bank match. Those characters, the fact that Mike is now known as Mike Canellis, he took her last name. Those characters, they would do something like that. I could see the WWE doing a thing where Maria grabbed the briefcase and threw it to Mike. That would happen, theoretically. It hasn't happened before, but it could. It's not a male-female thing. It's just, does it make sense for these characters? And in Carmella's case, yes, the same way in Mike Canellis now. <laughs> in that case, yes, it does too. Um, that said, I was glad that they didn't do another James Ellsworth finish on the SmackDown match. That was the one thing, okay, the one benefit to having the Money in the Bank match at the pay-per-view was that when James Ellsworth rushed the ring on SmackDown and climbed up the ladder, there was this feeling of, this is really going to happen. Had that not happened... You know, I think the reason everybody was so shocked when James Ellsworth threw Carmella the briefcase is they don't listen to this podcast. 
for some reason, and because they didn't think it was actually going to happen. They didn't. They uh, him climbing the ladder is one thing, but getting the briefcase and throwing it to Carmella, there's no way they'll end it like that, and they did. So when you see him on SmackDown attempting to do the same thing, there was that feeling in all of us, oh my God, tell me they're doing the same finish again. And so that's the benefit to having that finish on the pay-per-view at all. But I still, I would would like to have somebody explain to me what benefit having two Money in the Bank matches really was, especially the same person wins both. You know, she, it did It did what I talked about before Money in the Bank, what a Money in the Bank match should do, which is it set Carmella up for a shot at the title at some point, but at the same time, the story that it really told was this rivalry between Becky Lynch and Carmella. The person with the Money in the Bank briefcase should have some kind of person that he is 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 in a rivalry with as well as the idea that they could go for the championship at any time. That's what's going on with Baron Corbin and Sami Zayn, while Jinder Mahal still has to watch his back. You know, it's a, it's a good thing. It, 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 it adds depth to storylines. But that, and, and, and so, you know, I'm, I, my feeling is that they were like, well, we could do this on the pay-per-view. Really throw everyone a swerve so that everybody talks about it, and then get a nice rating for SmackDown. That to me, is probably what it was all about. And I'm not so mad at it. You know, I'm, not, I'm never going to complain about watching two Money in the Bank ladder matches just because it's cool to watch. I do not get the logic of Naomi, you know, making mincemeat of Lana twice. That doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why, why you need to do that to Lana. Like, you spent all this time building her and, and putting the vignettes on and saying the new Lana is coming and da-da-da. And then, you know, to have Naomi kick the crap out of her twice in a row, I don't I don't know why you would do that. But but you did. And and it is what it is. So, um I thought Raw both shows were, were decent this week. Um SmackDown I kinda like that there's a Punjabi prison match coming up. I'll talk about some things I didn't like on both shows, but I like that there's a Punjabi prison match coming up. I just like, uh, I like weird matches like that. Like, even though, the, you know, there, there's never been a classic Punjabi prison match, I'm looking forward to it. I like, I if they said we're going to do another Kennel from Hell match, and to those that haven't seen the Kennel from Hell match, this big boss man versus Al Snow in a cage match where outside the ring was a bunch of pit bulls and then a Hell in a Cell was put over it so that the pit bulls were between the ring and the hell in a cell but the pit bulls just kind of ended up humping each other and not going after anybody and it was just not very well thought out at all it was it was bad that said i'd be excited if they were like hey we got another kennel from hell match coming up just because it's weird and it doesn't happen very often and it's hard to imagine when it would happen again um you know steel enforced bamboo i love it i think steel Steel reinforced bamboo is like you know how like at Valentine's Day they have gold dipped roses. I think it's like that. Like like it's the same technology. You, these roses are real roses, and you pick them up and they look like real roses and everything, but they're also real gold. You know they somehow they put some kind of chemical on it. They dip them in gold, and you have a romantic gift that lasts forever. Now you do that same thing except instead of gold you use steel. 
and instead of roses, you use bamboo. And then, instead of something lovely and caring, you have something very, very dangerous. Perfect for a champion to defend his title in. So, I, I'm, you know, I think it's fun. I think it's fun, the idea that they're doing another Punjabi prison match, and it, it at least keeps my interest up in Jinder Mahal versus Randy Orton for one more match. I think, it, I think clearly you go in a different direction with these guys uh, following Great Balls of Fire, which, I, I mean, not Great Balls of Fire, uh, Battleground, which is good timing because the next show after that will be SummerSlam. So then you start looking towards, you know, a, a, lot, a rumor that a lot of people are talking about is that John Cena will come back and challenge Jinder Mahal, which is possible. Um, and, geez, what a hell of a, of a couple of contenders for that title. First to have to beat Randy Orton on three pay-per-views, and then to have to go against John Cena next. It's not easy pickings. Um, you know, I, I would like if, if Jinder Mahal would mix it up a little bit more with the rest of the roster on SmackDown. But I'm not going to complain about the return of the Punjabi prison. Um, I think that uh, I'm inter- I I don't know what's going on with Mike and Maria. You know, they made that they, they made their debut at the pay-per-view. People love the theme music, which is half the battle. People love the power ballad Mike and Maria song, which if you can get that going, then it's absolutely half the battle. But they weren't on SmackDown last week, and this week they got interrupted. So it's almost like, uh, like which direction are we going to go in with this? Is this going to be something that kind of builds and builds and builds, or is this kind of a face-the-facts type of thing? I don't know. There has to be some kind of reasoning behind bringing Mike and Maria in because you could have just put them on NXT. I mean, NXT could use the star power right now. They could use uh, another person there and Maria going there too. Like, it, w- it wouldn't have hurt them. So there, I, w- I would think there has to be some kind of game plan with these two going forward. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I don't know for sure. Um, and, and I don't know about this. I hope that whatever happens next week with the battle rap between New Day and uh, the Usos, I hope one of the members of the New Day figures out how to mumble rap. I just want one of them sounding like Migos because otherwise we run the risk of sounding uh, passe, as it were. You need a little bit of mumble rap in a rap battle, right? I don't even know if they do rap battles anymore, but they will on SmackDown next week. Um, Raw, again, decent show. You know, better one of, one of the better shows in the last few weeks. Same with SmackDown, pr- decent show. Again, I mean, love the Money in the Bank match. Um, the the I'm 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 a fan of the Big Cass and Enzo stuff. I didn't talk about it last week, but I think Big Cass is shining, and it's not a huge surprise. Um, I'm curious about what this means for Enzo because you know we saw the potential that Big Cass has while Enzo was injured, and we talked about it a whole bunch you know, a while back. I think that Big Cass is going to be a big star. The fact that he's a, a giant, the fact that he's young, good-looking guy, the fact that he, you know, he's, his promos are getting better. He, he's, he's he looks he's cool to watch in the ring. Like I believe him. You know, I I think that uh, I think that this is very good news for Big Cass. Enzo will never not be entertaining. Enzo is never going to not be able to entertain an audience. But I find it difficult to believe. That he'll beat Big Cass. I don't. I think that this breakup is about Big Cass. So it'll be interesting to see 
what happens with Enzo. I don't mind the breakup. You know, it's not like the team had. They, I love the team, but it mixes things up a little bit. You know, they hadn't won any tag team titles. They weren't sort of in the conversation, as it were, for whatever reason. So I don't mind shaking it up a little bit. And I love that there's been a real storyline. So often, these tag teams kind of just break up because one week somebody decides he's in a bad mood and he breaks up. And then two weeks later, they have a match on Raw. And then by the a month later, the next pay-per-view, we forgot they ever were a tag team. And it's like, ah, oh, there's so much story to be told here. Like, we're getting a Rockers-style breakup between Enzo and Cass. You've got you got Corey Graves getting involved. you got Kurt Angle. you got weeks and weeks of buildup trying to figure out who's jumping these guys. You have uh, 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 Big Cass being forced to admit it one week. And then this week, you got Big Cass pretending that he's okay again, and then he's not, and he throws Enzo. And we don't really know why Big Cass did this, except he wants to have the spotlight shined on him. And how is Enzo going to recover from this? It's like it's a real sink-your-teeth-into story, which is great. They a lot of those stories get missed. So when, I think we should celebrate it when we have one, especially with guys like Enzo and Cass, who we care about. Fans care about Enzo and Cass and what they're doing, regardless of how many championships they've won. They were one of the most popular tag teams in NXT and one of the most popular tag teams on Raw. People love those guys. You know, look in the crowd. Whose T-shirts are people wearing? They all you always saw those certified G t-shirts, certified G signs. So they're, they're, they resonate. And Enzo and Cass felt relevant. You know, that's not something that can be taken lightly because not everybody does. The Usos, for example, the Usos are as relevant as a team can be. The New Day as relevant as a team can be. Enzo and Cass are right there. Just they, they feel like, Young people that young people could relate to in 2017. That's a valuable thing. It's a valuable commodity. So I'm glad that care has been taken in the storytelling that is the breakup between these guys. I would be upset about the breakup if, after all this time, you just had Cass turn on Enzo, and then this week Cass is just a singles guy, and he's beating people up, and he's a big giant, and Enzo comes out and just does the Enzo shtick by himself, and that's where we're at. This is becoming a, a, a real thing. And whether, you know, with, I, my hope, Great Balls of Fire is in what, like a week and a half at the time of this recording? So you would have to hope, unless they announce on Monday night, July 3rd, so people will be out watching fireworks anyway. But unless they decide on July 3rd that in six days they're going to do the big Enzo, uh, uh, Enzo and Big Cass match, one would hope that they're going to stretch this out, not do, it on the, not do it on Great Balls of Fire, and make this a big match at SummerSlam. There's always a risk. It's a long time before the end of August, from now until the end of August. I don't think that there's a Raw pay-per-view after battleground isn't it maybe there is i don't know that's a maybe i'm wrong that's a long time right well no because it'll already be july i don't think there's an august there's any pay-per-views in august except SummerSlam. so you know you got to be disciplined you got to let this play out kind of like the kevin owens jericho rivalry played out hopefully you won't see this match on pay-per-view within the next two weeks 
and they won't waste it by doing it on Raw. And, you know, there's a hundred ways you could do it. You could have big casts running through guys the way Braun Strowman did. You could have him like, you know, okay, for the next two weeks, Enzo's not on Raw because big cast kicked the crap out of him, so now big cast is just going to beat up jobbers. No problem. Then Enzo comes back and does a singles match. Maybe Big Cass isn't on Raw, or Big Cass is in a segment that's two hours after the Enzo match, or just keep them separated. Now a week goes by, and Big Cass has a match, and Enzo interferes. Finally, Enzo puts his hands on Big Cass. But that's four weeks from now. What I've just laid out is it's four weeks until Enzo finally gets some physical retaliation against Big Cass. That's what I want. I want it to be a while. You know, the Shawn Michaels-Marty Jannetty breakup was iconic. The rivalry was not. There wasn't like, you know, I, I, I think Royal Rumble 93 was a match that they had against each other one-on-one on pay-per-view. And there was this thing where Marty Jannetty disappeared for a while. And then in, in I think it was Royal Rumble 93. Maybe it was 94. But whatever, I think it was 93. Because there was, you know, when Marty Jannetty appeared in the crowd one week on, on, on one of the shows. And he jumped out of the crowd and finally started beating up Shawn Michaels. And it was like, yes. Because Marty Jannetty was the guy who wanted to keep the team together. You've got Enzo, who's sitting there going, oh man, like, I'm willing to accept your apology. Big Cass comes out after all that, and all he does is go like, I'm sorry, buddy. And Enzo goes, yeah, no problem, it happens. And he's ready to just mend fences right away. All he wants to do is keep his friend. But then Big Cass turns on him again. So it's clear that Enzo doesn't want this tag team or this relationship to end. So he doesn't want to have a match with Big Cass. He doesn't want to attack Big Cass. So the moment that he does, that's like a big moment. And if you can wait four weeks or so before Enzo finally puts his hand on Cass, well, now you've got it where it's like there's this finally feeling when it happens. Oh, finally, I was waiting for that. Finally. But if you if you don't wait, then you know, you you could be you could be in trouble because there's only so much you can do and you have until August 20th at SummerSlam. So that that would be that would be my hope that they just have a nice nice pace about this thing. You know, make it something that is kind of uh, still bubbling right now so it doesn't come to a full-on broil until 4 weeks from now. It's a good, you know, end of July you start to really turn the heat up on Enzo versus Cass. And then by the time SummerSlam comes, it's something people have been waiting for. There's a lot of potential there, and I hope it comes to fruition. Uh, speaking of potential, it's perfect, perfect, perfect with Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar. You know, a, a bunch of things are happening. Samoa Joe is hitting an all-time peak as far as his WWE career at the moment because, uh, and maybe he'll hit more peaks after this. I'm just saying right now is the best he's ever been because you've got, you're, you're setting up this scenario where you're explaining to the audience who might not be familiar with some, all of Samoa Joe's work that he is a real threat against Brock Lesnar. And it's so cool to see this happening in the WWE. I think most people would assume that you wouldn't, WWE would not position, you know, uh, 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 Samoa Joe to be that guy, a threat 
to their universal champion. But that's exactly what's happening. Samoa Joe is being positioned as a legitimate tough guy, and he's delivering on all levels. All levels. It just looked cool seeing him get slammed into the screen and watching the screen like bend, like when it, when it when it kind of broke between the seams, like it felt real. And 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 the way he is attacking Brock Lesnar, the moves that he's using, the the attacks that he's doing, you believe it. The chokeholds, the sneak from behind, the all this stuff. It's like oh. So he does have an offense tailor-made for Brock Lesnar. It's not like he just has this move set and he's doing it against Brock and it works because, you know, because Brock is, it should be, Brock is Doomsday, the man that killed Superman. So you have to be strategic, even if you're Samoa Joe against Brock Lesnar, which is exactly what's happening. Now, the, the way that this has intertwined with the Roman Reigns-Braun Strowman match at uh, 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 Great Balls of Fire is awesome because the fact that Samoa Joe beat Roman Reigns on Raw, he did it in a way, as I talked about last week, that it didn't hurt Roman at all. I don't think anything could hurt Roman at this point, but it didn't hurt Roman at all. One would have to believe that Roman Reigns is going to win this ambulance match. It seems like it's time. It seems like that's what they're building towards. You know, I, I think that this will be like uh, similar to what happened right before WrestleMania when Roman beat Braun Strowman clean. I think they're going to spend all the Raws making Braun Strowman look like an animal. Braun Strowman gets beat at the pay-per-view. But when Braun Strowman comes back, we will have moved on from the Roman Reigns story, and Braun Strowman will go back to being unbeatable. I think that, I, that that's the way I see it going in my head. The fact that Samoa Joe has beaten Roman Reigns has now implanted this idea in our minds that, okay, if Roman Reigns beats Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns has already said he wants the champion at SummerSlam. Now, on paper, a month ago, if you had said it's going to be a championship match between either Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe, then you're going to tell me, obviously, it's going to be Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar because Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe is is too clear, like Roman Reigns would win that match. The minute that Samoa Joe beat Roman Reigns, even though it was, you know, schmozzy, the minute he won that match, Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe for the Universal Championship becomes a match that people want to see because Roman Reigns has not beaten Samoa Joe. Maybe he can't. It becomes a conversation piece and a match that people want to see. The fact that that is a match and a, uh, that's a conversation piece and a match that people want to see now subliminally leads you to believe, well, I could see a SummerSlam headlined by Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe. So that means I could believe there is a part of me that could see what would happen if Samoa Joe beat Brock Lesnar. I don't even if you don't think it's going to happen. If I if you saw Samoa Joe beat Brock Lesnar, you would know where they were going. You understand where the story goes if Samoa Joe beats Brock Lesnar. And the fact that that is a story that you understand means that somewhere in your brain it's a possibility. And that's what you want going into this match. 
You want people to believe that Samoa Joe can win. And they have done a phenomenal job. Phenomenal job of convincing you that that is a possibility. A month ago, around WrestleMania time, where, by the way, Samoa Joe didn't even have a match, you could not have convinced a member of the WWE Universe that Samoa Joe could beat Brock Lesnar. Today, it's an actual conversation to have. And that's the beauty of it. You've got another guy now, another new guy, who you can have a conversation about whether or not they can beat Brock Lesnar. And that's what you need. When you have a monster like Brock on top, you want him to come across as unbeatable, but you need to have guys that, well, I, I could believe it. I could see, I could see, like you need fans to be able to argue that this is the guy that can beat Brock Lesnar. And the way Samoa Joe has been portrayed, you can have that conversation, which is why I think it's been done perfectly. It's just been done terrifically. Now, I'll tell you, a pet peeve of mine that's been building is when wrestlers threaten guys or, or screw around with guys that we know can't compete. You know, I don't like Big Cass getting in Corey Graves' face. Because we know we're not going to see a Corey Graves big cast match. They're not going to mess around with the concussion stuff. We're not going to see that match. I kind of wish they would just lay off of Corey Graves and big cast. And big cast being mad that Corey Graves is butting his nose in (coughs) Cass's business. Because Cass has a legitimate cause for concern. And any bad guy would be mad at Corey Graves for sticking his nose in. But that's never going to be something that has a conclusion. You know, even with Michael Cole, we had a Jerry Lawler-Michael Cole match, for better or worse. We're never going to have that match with Corey Graves. That's the only reason why I was kind of like, why are we, why are we, you know, kind of wasting time? Because Corey Graves' character as a commentator, you don't want to emasculate, right? Corey Graves is like a really cool commentator. He's a cool color analyst. People like him. So all you're going to do is make Big Cass get in his face and say, stop doing that, and Corey Graves just kind of has to buckle under the pressure. You run the risk of him not being as cool anymore, which, you know, when you have an asset like Corey Graves, you don't really want to do. Same thing with Daniel Bryan. You know, at least when The Miz was criticizing Daniel Bryan, I didn't love it. I mean, I loved the segments, but in principle, I didn't love it because you're never going to see a Miz-Daniel Bryan match, but... At least it's a scenario where there's real history. There's a legitimate history between Daniel Bryan and Miz. Daniel Bryan is representing uh, a, a section of wrestling fans. When when the Miz is yelling at Daniel Bryan about not taking him seriously, he's actually yelling at you know smart wrestling fans that don't take him seriously. And it helped the Miz's character. It helped create him into what he is. I don't like Ellsworth taking shots and calling Daniel Bryan a coward because Ellsworth, the character, is a coward and Daniel Bryan is never going to be able to prove that. Like, WWE is not going to let him wrestle, so why have Ellsworth knocking him down a peg? You know, I just don't... I don't think that it leads anywhere that's terribly productive. Now, speaking of Daniel Bryan, he's going to wrestle again. Like... I want to say congratulations to Cody Rhodes, friend of the of the podcast, friend of uh, mine, 
awesome dude and so cool. You know, we talked to him on the podcast uh, a couple weeks ago when we did the live show from Huawei about what's next. What's next for Cody Rhodes? He's already filled out everything that's on the Cody Rhodes list. You know, now he's a legitimate independent wrestler. He's not this guy who was in WWE that's doing a run on the indies. He is an independent wrestler. But, you know, he's now got Cody Rhodes Bullet Club t-shirts in malls, in Hot Topics, as mainstream as it gets without being in WWE. And this week he won the Ring of Honor Championship, which I don't think anybody saw coming. And it's just so cool. It's so cool to see a guy who a year ago was a tried-and-true WWE guy. Cody Rhodes was a WWE creation. To watch him win the Ring of Honor Championship, it's reverse. It's reverse of what was happening with Daniel Bryan and CM Punk, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe. Like To watch him leave WWE and then become a bigger star in the Ring of Honor world is awesome. And maybe we'll get to a place where, where we just consider Cody Rhodes to be a Ring of Honor guy. The same way I've talked to AJ Styles about the fact that AJ is so good, we now look at him as a WWE guy, which he was not. You know, even two years ago, AJ was not a WWE guy. He was the one guy who was not at all a WWE guy. Um, and now we just we look at him differently in a very, very positive way. And maybe Cody Rhodes, you know, he's already starting to shed that sort of I'm a WWE guy feeling when we talk about the fact that he's a legit indie person. Maybe he'll feel like uh, like Adam Cole did. Adam Cole felt like a Ring of Honor champion. He's a Ring of Honor guy, you know? Maybe we'll see that with Cody Rhodes too. I think it could be really, really cool. And, and it really goes to show you how big the universe of pro wrestling is right now and how difficult it is to say, well, this isn't on the level of that or that's not on the level of this. It's just getting audiences from different spaces. It's just a different art form now than it ever was before. So it's really, really cool to see it all get fleshed out. And, I mean, you talk about history. We're witnessing the future of the industry in the way this is all being portrayed. That said... I thought it was hilarious that Daniel Bryan posted a thing on Twitter this week uh, saying that he kind of like hinting at the fact and not even like 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 secretly hinting, but like really obviously hinting at the fact that he hoped Cody Rhodes held on to the Ring of Honor title long enough so that Bryan could go to Ring of Honor and have a championship match. He is still he is more than ever in my mind thinking about himself as a wrestler, you know, this idea, and I don't think he's ever made any secrets about it, but this idea, well, now he's got a kid, so he's not going to wrestle, well, guess what, he's still doing talking smack, he's still around the guys, he's still in the industry, this is what he wants to do, like, you know what I mean, he's going to be a great father, but he's also going to want to be a wrestler, and I think it's going to happen, and I don't blame the WWE for this, this is not, the WWE is doing something right, by not letting Daniel Bryan wrestle. WWE should not let Daniel Bryan wrestle. If there are legitimate health concerns, WWE is doing the right thing. Not just for Daniel Bryan. You know, I don't I don't think that we need to 
police people and 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 mommy people and make people's decisions for them. I think Daniel Bryan is perfectly capable of making his own decisions. But even for the sake of the WWE as a company, because everybody who right now is saying, well, WWE should just let Daniel Bryan wrestle. He wants to wrestle. He's fine. Just let him have one more match. What's the big deal? He'll be careful. Give him his one more match. If anything were to happen to Daniel Bryan in a WWE ring, everybody who thinks that WWE should let him have another match would be questioning how could the WWE put somebody with those kind of health issues in the ring. How could the WWE be so irresponsible to let someone with that brain, especially after everything we know and everything we've seen, how could could they have let that happen? That's what they would have said. So that's why I'm not... I I think WWE is doing the right thing. But as I said, in terms of broader decision-making, Daniel Bryan's an adult. He should be able to make his own decisions. And if he's explained, if it's explained to him what all the health risks are, this is a man who has a kid. He's a a full, he's not 20, he's, he's, he's in his 30s. He's been doing this all his life. He knows what the risks mean. He knows wrestling. We, you know, we, we've all been around long enough to see the guys from the early 2000s who took risks and what that's done to them today. Like He's got all that wealth of experience to learn from. If he still chooses to wrestle again, then I don't think it's up to anybody but him to choose to do that. I, if he wants to do it, and he thinks he's capable of doing it, he should do it. And it's complicated because obviously as a fan, right, you want to see him in a WWE ring. You want to see another John Cena-Daniel Bryan match. You want to see a a Daniel Bryan-Miz match. You want to see a Daniel Bryan-Nakamura match. You want to see Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens. You want to see Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn. You know, you want to see Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins. You want to see all these matches. You want to see the match that we all want to see You want to see Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar. We all want to see that match. But we all know that if anything happened to him, the first question would be, how could the WWE allow that to happen when they knew? When they knew. So the fact that they know means they can't give it to us. You just can't. You have to make the smart, long-term decision for everybody involved. You know, if you are that big of a company and you have talent under contract, then you are responsible. It's your ring. It's your show. You are responsible for that person. That said, if he wants to go do it independently, then that, think about what the word independent means. If Daniel Bryan wants to wrestle independently, that's his decision. That's not the decision of the people... I mean, I guess on some level it's to the decision of the people booking him. But if he can get booked, more power to him. More power to him. I'll watch the match for sure. I'll try to go to it. If it's in, if it's on the East Coast, I'll be there in the audience, you know? I'm excited for it. I love Daniel Bryan. But, you know, I think, I think all parties are doing what's right for the parties concerned at the moment. Uh, all right, don't forget to sign up to the mailing list at notsam.com. That'll be the first place to get any information on uh, a SummerSlam live event. If we do a live event for SummerSlam, we've got a couple of live shows 
that are uh, kind of in the works right now. Uh, I know the last one most of you did not know about because it was last minute. You will know about it if you sign up to the mailing list at NotSam.com. You'll get an email as soon as I find out. And by the way, I rarely email. You're talking about like, you know, two or three emails a month. It's not, it's not a spam thing. It's just a matter of having my people that I can communicate with if something big is happening that I think you guys will be interested in. So go to NotSam.com and sign up for that. Don't forget to go to NotSam.com slash merch for all your Sam Roberts t-shirts. Get them in time for SummerSlam. Order now, order now, order now. And I'll see you next week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. A toodles. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.